If we've not met, I'm Nathan Brand. I'm the senior pastor here, and we're glad you're here to worship with us. And we are going to dismiss children for Children's Church. That's ages fourth through first grade, and they can follow Mr. and Mrs. Holty. Um, just one more, um, I guess, getting behind our service next week. Not that today's service won't be good as well, but next week we have an opportunity to host Minnesota Adult Teen and Adult Teen Challenge and hear from them. They're going to be primarily in the service. And if you've not experienced that, um, I want to encourage you to be here because it is an amazing thing just to hear about how God is at work in people and, and setting them free. And it'll be super encouraging. So I just want to encourage you to be here for that service. So, end of commercial. So let me ask you a question. What has fear or anxiety kept you from doing, from pursuing, from going after, whether it's an opportunity to, to try something, trying out for a team, uh, a music team, or a sports team, or just trying a new thing, or, or even what you're doing right now, pursuing it in a greater capacity. Because maybe you're afraid you might fail or appear foolish. What have you? What, what has fear and anxiety kept you from going after or trying. Maybe some, it might be fear of actually just being yourself in your office or your school or whatever, revealing who you truly are. You know, we've been going through Luke chapter 12, and that's where we'll be today. But at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus talks about denying him, about hiding your faith because you're afraid of man and and women, what they might think about you. And in reality, the one who's going to be the real one who holds us accountable is going to be the living God himself. Now sometimes fear is a good thing. It keeps us from doing foolish things, right? I don't think any of us are strong enough swimmers to swim across the, the breach of Niagara Falls and then fall 167 feet, right? Fear is a good thing. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to do that. Sometimes fear is just, you know, overblown. Some people won't go into the ocean because they're afraid they're going to be attacked by a shark. Even though the average shark attacks in the United States is about 16 per year. But they're certain, I'm going to be one. So they stay out of the ocean. It's probably more dangerous to get on the roads here in Rochester than go in the ocean. But that's, that's how we operate, right? But sometimes there's a fear, and this is a fear that we all experience, a fear of, of not having what I need. And it can keep us from living the life that God called us to, especially for the believer. It's a fear that keeps us from living for Christ and his kingdom. It keeps us from living for what really matters and what will really last. And that's what Jesus wants to talk about today. Again, we've been in this chapter 12 of, of the Gospel of Luke. And the whole theme, really, of this chapter and heading into the next chapter is living for eternity. And so two weeks ago, when we were able to meet 
By the way, I don't know about you, but I missed meeting last week. I'm like, man, I haven't seen people in a long time. So, uh, you know, it's a good thing to be together. But two weeks ago, we talked about relating to our possessions, relating to our stuff. And Jesus, in this particular passage, in verse 15, says, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of of an abundance of possessions. Big picture, your stuff is not your life, or your life is not your stuff. God is. And Jesus goes on to tell this parable of this man who experiences his bumper crop and decides he's got to do what he can to, to save it all. Because the more stuff you have, the more life you have. At least that's what he thought. Only to be rudely awakened by God because he was going to lose his life that night. And God's saying, now you've invested in vain. You've been foolish. So Jesus now is going to address the other side of this coin. Because while stuff is not our life, we need stuff to live, right? We need food. We need clothing. We need shelter, especially in an environment like this, right? None of us are sleeping outside in a tent. We need God to take care of us. We are contingent beings, But if we're not storing up or hoarding up things, who do we look for? And some of this may cause us to be anxious. Where are we going to get these things? Who's going to take care of us? So Jesus wants to address this issue, that we won't be anxious. And he wants to replace fear with faith today. So that's what we're going to be looking at. So let me pray for us, and then we'll dig into Jesus' words today. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, you were God who put on flesh and dwelt among us. And you told us the truth and you are the truth. So help us to hear what you have to say to us. These are words that we need because, Lord, if we miss it, we're going to be living in anxiety and fear. And Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father as we've already sung. Help us to see your care. Help us to see your love and help us, Lord, to live in faith, faith of who you are. So open the eyes of our hearts to see this today, Lord. Lord Jesus, it's in your precious name I pray these things. Amen. So here we are in Luke chapter 12. We're going to pick it up at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food. And the body is more than clothes. Now consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? And who of you by worrying can add a single hour to, excuse me, can add a single, single hour to your life. Since you can not do this very little thing, why do you worry about rest? Consider how the, the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where thief where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the big picture. Here's the big point today. Here's what I want you to take home today. Is we don't need to be anxious about life because of the Father's care. We don't have to be anxious about life because of the Father's care. This is Jesus' message to his followers. He's talking to his disciples right here. Both then and now. He's talking to us. If you are in Christ, you know what? God is your Father. You are his. And he is yours. And he's going to take care of you. That's what Jesus wants us to know. He's able and willing to do so. And he wants to release us from worry and anxiety that we can fix on. So he starts out by addressing, Jesus starts out by addressing this, this false thought. That we reduce life to food and clothing. Don't reduce life to food and clothing. He says in verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. See, Jesus starts out by addressing this one-to-one correlation. If I don't have food, I don't have life. If I, if I don't have clothing, then somehow the body is neglected. Food is fuel that we need, okay? But the purpose of life is not to consume food. Now, some high school boys may contend with that. But the truth of the matter is, the purpose of life is not to consume food. In fact, we have so much food, we kind of eat for recreation. It's like, hey, you want to go out for lunch? Well, where do you want to go? What do you want? Chinese? Mexican, right? Whatever. We eat for recreation. But in the first century, this is a real fear because oftentimes people live very hand-to-mouth, right? You ate what you grew. And Jesus implies again, look, food isn't our life. God is. We're made by him, for him, to know him, and he is our life. And he's quite capable of sustaining us. And even without food. You know, there are portions in the scripture where God maintains his godly servant for 40 days without food or water. 
Moses, Elijah, even Jesus in the wilderness. And I'm not suggesting that we go on a 40-day fast. But here's my point, is that God is able to sustain us. And this is what Jesus was dealing with in chapter 4 of Luke. When Satan, you know, after fasting 40 days, says, Hey, make these stones into bread. And Jesus turns around and quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And by the way, there is a promise here of God sustaining us. It's not necessarily a promise that we will never feel hunger or not go hungry. The Apostle Paul himself talks about all the trials he went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, being shipwrecked, being exposed to the elements, and going through hunger. Yet God sustained him and kept him alive. I don't know if any of you are in the, the habit of fasting. Fasting sometimes is, is a time where you neglect food because there's something more important, right? Because you're saying, God, I, I need to hear from you. And that's true. Oftentimes we use that. But it's also a time to remember, again, that food is not our life. God is. He is the one who sustains us. And so Jesus addresses also the clothing issue here, right? Somewhere in the first century, you know, clothing was not easily accessible. In fact, most people made their own clothing or was made in the house. You didn't go to, you know, the Apache Mall just to get some new clothing. But the purpose of the body is not to be an animated clothes rack. We are made in God's image, and the purpose of the body is to glorify God and live out live that out in action in his values. And that can be done just as well in a t-shirt and jeans as it can be done in a three-piece suit. See, oftentimes, clothing in that day was associated with your station in life or your importance, your significance. Jesus says, that's not how it is in my kingdom. Clothes do not make the man. Godly character does. And when we have fear and anxiety about these things, we can have the wrong values. Folks, God doesn't care whether you wear Nike or Louis Vuitton or Walmart. He doesn't care. What He cares about is that He has your heart. In fact, we can get duped, frankly, into putting the wrong value in the wrong things. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time where kids got killed because someone wanted their sneakers. Life is not there. Your significance is not there. And Jesus is saying, let's not get duped. No, we don't need to be anxious about life because of the Father's care. And he shows this in nature. We sang earlier, God of wonders, right? God shows this, and then our Father feeds despised birds. Verse 24. Jesus says, consider the ravens. They do not sow. They have no storeroom or a barn. Yet the Father feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? 
Ravens, by the way, in Jewish society were considered an unclean bird. In fact, they're kind of useless except for just eating carrion. And yet Jesus says, look, your Heavenly Father even feeds these unclean, worthless birds. And by the way, this is the second time Jesus mentions this in this particular chapter even. You go back to verse 6. Jesus talks about how God cares for the sparrows. From the lesser to the greater, he says, look, God cares for the birds. He cares for you. You who are made in his image. You who he sends his son for. You, if you put your faith in Christ, you are his. That's challenging sometimes when we don't see where it's coming from, right? But folks, we need to see the heart of the Father in this passage. That God really does care for us. I don't know if you're familiar with a man named George Mueller who lived in the 1800s. <laughs> As a young man, George Mueller was a wild child. But Jesus got a hold of his life, called him into ministry. He was living in Prussia, which is now modern-day Germany. He brought him to England, to Bristol, England, to minister there. And God called him to minister to the street children who were orphans, to build an orphanage. So he built this orphanage. But he was so convinced of the Father's care that when he went forth to, to build this orphanage, he would not solicit any funds. There were no fundraisers, no banquets, none of that. He wouldn't tell people about that. He said, you know what, I'm going to pray. And if people ask, I'll say, you give what you want. And God used George Mueller to minister to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of orphans in Bristol, England. In fact, it was said that George Mueller was robbing the factories because these kids were, were coming to his orphanage, being given godly instruction, being given education, and, and they were too good to go back to the factories. But there's a great story of George Mueller. There's one morning in his early, his early days and there's nothing in the cupboard. There's nothing in the pantries. And George Mueller sits down with the children and says, God, we thank you for your provision today. Amen. And everyone's looking at each other like, he's nuts. And all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. It's the milk wagon that just broke down in front of their house. He says, look, I, I can't deliver this stuff. Could you take this? And then there's another knock. It's the bakery wagon that comes by. It's the care and the love of the Father. That's what George Mueller was convinced of. That's what Jesus is trying to say to us today. We don't need to be anxious about life because of the care of the Father. And by the way, worry is not a life extender. Did you ever think about that? Worry is not a life extender. It may serve as a short time to kind of kick you and get you into gear to do something, but in the long run, it doesn't produce anything good. Right? It's really just energy spent in vain. And it usually comes out in detrimental areas, in stress, high blood pressure, disease, 
heart attack. You know what? Here's a true story. This has happened to me multiple, multiple years. One of my most stressful times of the year is Christmas. And I actually love Christmas. But, you know, we're... A lot of services. It culminates in a in a wonderful Christmas Eve service, and we get to go out caroling that night. But there's a lot of stuff that needs to go on, and I'm I'm working like a dog up to that point. And you know what happens? It's happened to me like three times since I've been here in Rochester. I get sick on Christmas Day. I have all the stress pent up in me, all this anxiety, and the next morning, I wake up. And I have, like, flu symptoms. Either I'm throwing up or, or something. Too much information. All right, I can't give you that. But I'm just telling you, it's all that stress. It's all that worry that's in me that's coming out at that moment. And since I've, I've just released it all, and my wife is mad at me because I got sick, but that's another thing. But here's, here's the point. Stress or worry is not a life extender. Why do we worry? We think we have a sense of control. And we really don't. We don't need to be anxious about life because of the Father's care. And again, back to the issue of apparel. The Father beautifully clothes the fading grass. Pick it up, verse 27. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow it is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. Again, we've talked about this. Solomon, the reign of Solomon represents the pinnacle of Israelite history. The pinnacle of, of the, the kingdom of Israel. It's a time that was never more prosperous, never more powerful or influential, never more unified, and never more glorious. And the, the splendor of Solomon's dress in his court meant something. If you read about it in 1 Kings chapter 10 or 2 Chronicles chapter 9, when the Queen of Sheba comes to check him out, she sees how well dressed Solomon is and her court. And it points towards God's favor and to God's glory. And yet, Jesus is saying the flowers of the field are more beautifully dressed. They're more beautifully arrayed. And even though their existence only lasts a few days, a few weeks, and they're destined to be kindling, he dresses them better. And yet, Jesus is saying, we have greater worth than the flowers of the field. He's going to clothe you and me. And I know we don't worry about that. Most of us can go to the store and buy what we want. But God is saying, I will take care of you. But you know what? This is not just for American Christians. This is for Christians all over the world. In the third world countries, people do worry about that. They do worry about that. And it is a promise for God's provision. And yet Jesus says, you of little faith. Maybe it's not clothes. But when's the last time that you were dependent upon God for your physical provision somehow? Could it be when we've forgotten that everything we have is from Him? When's the last time you were looking to Him to meet your physical need? We don't need to be anxious because of the Father's care.
And ultimately, God the Father is calling us to a different kingdom view. Verse 30. For the pagan world runs after such things, and the Father knows that you need them. But seek his, king, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Again, we live in a world that says, your stuff is your life, and we can get caught up in that. We can get caught up in that, and we can get distracted, and we're not living out the life that he intended. You know, earlier, chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the seeds and the sower, right? The seed that falls on the, on the pathway, it's eaten up. The seed that falls on the rocky soil, it's, it ends up being withering because it, it's experiencing the, the heat of the sun. The one that falls on the thorny soil, and I think this could be true of many of us, is the seed that grows up but it's choked by thorns. And the commentary is it's, you're concerned about worldly things, about pleasures, and your physical needs. And Jesus is saying, look, don't get distracted. Don't let anxiety and worry keep you from the living the life that he intended. And the promise here is that if we seek first his kingdom, our Heavenly Father will graciously provide what we need. And I'm not saying that there won't be moments of like, we'll be wondering how God is going to meet us. But he's going to meet us. Part of my own story is that there was a point where I had to step out of ministry. I had, to, I had to drive a school bus for a year and a half. I know I've told that story in front of this congregation before. But my salary was cut in half. I had our first ba- we had our first baby. And frankly, we didn't always know how bills were going to get paid. And we kept looking to the Father, and all of a sudden, <laughs> there'd be groceries on our back porchway. People of God took care of us. We didn't ask for it. God just provided through His people. And God did that to me for two reasons. Number one, to show me that ministry is a privilege, not a right. And number two, to show me that he could take care of me and my wife and my child. So I can stand up before you and say, God will take care of you if you'll seek first his kingdom as well. Again, Jesus is talking about living for eternity. And the Father is giving us an eternal kingdom, an eternal investment. Verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where thief, where no thief comes near, or no moth destroys. We're called to seek this kingdom, but think about this. The Father is actually giving it to us. He says, look. Don't be afraid, little little flock. The Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Folks, if you're following God, He's the Father's wanting to give us the kingdom. He says, here it is. And we just need to be rightly related to our possessions. Not be fooled that that is our life. He's giving us something that will never, that will last forever. Something that will never wear out, that can't get stolen or destroyed. He wants to free us up so that we can turn around and invest in His kingdom. Invest in something that lasts forever. And giving to the poor in this passage is investing, is one of those expressions of investing in His kingdom. And I want to address this issue real quickly 
And we can address it more afterward if you'd like. But I don't think Jesus here is commanding us to divest of all of our possessions here. And why I believe that is in Luke chapter 22, verse 36. Jesus says, hey, I sent you out earlier with nothing. Now this time, if you have an extra bag, take that. If you have a sword, take that. If you have a wallet, take that. But here's the thing. It's a call not to live in such a way that we're living like this is all there is. No. No. God is giving us the kingdom that lasts forever, and we have a great opportunity to invest in it. And frankly, most of us have more than we need. When we get on the other side of eternity, I think we're going to turn around and not say, man, I'd given too much. I think we're going to say, I wish I'd given more. If you've seen the movie Schindler's List that was put out in 1994, it's a a story about a man named Otto Schindler who is rescuing Jews who are being sent off to concentration camps. He brings them into his factory, says these are necessary workers and I can't do my job without them. And when he purchases each one, he saves them because they remain safe in his his kingdom. Safe in his, his, his factory. But then when he's done and when the allies are coming, he's about ready to leave. He looks at the stuff that he has, his car, his gold cufflinks. And he said, I should have given more. This gold pin could have bought two more. My car could have bought ten. All of a sudden, Otto Schindler had a different perspective. And I think that will be true of us. We don't need to be anxious about life because of the Father's care. And last of all, folks, giving to his kingdom is a measure of how we value his kingdom. Jesus says in verse 34, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How we spend our time, our energy, our resources will be a measure of how we value Christ and his kingdom. If I was to look, I don't I don't really want to look at your calendar or your checkbook. But as you look at that, what does it say about how you value his kingdom? And this is not a guilt trip, folks. I'm not, this is just saying that it is a kingdom worth valuing. Because God, our Father, has valued us. I love Romans 8. And hear these words of how God has valued us. Verse 31 and 32 of chapter 8 of Romans. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God has graciously valued us. Should we not value him? Should we not value his eternal kingdom? And if you're here and you're, you're wondering what it means to follow Jesus, I, I want to tell you this with all sincerity. God doesn't want your stuff. He wants your heart. And when he has your heart, you may choose to value him with your stuff. But he wants you to know him to be His and have your life transformed. We don't need to be anxious about life because of the Father's care. 
And we're going to get to celebrate that even more so here in a moment. In a moment, we're going to celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. And here at Berean, we practice what we call open communion. That means if you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're welcome at this table. It's a celebration of what he has done. And it's not my table. It's not the table of the Berean Community Church. It's his table. And he's the one who welcomes you here. We have some children in the service. And kids, here's the rule. If mom and dad say, okay, that you put your faith in Christ, and it's okay, then that's great. And if, if not, what mom and dad say goes, and we can talk about that afterward. And if you've not yet put your faith in Christ, just let the elements pass by. No one's going to think anything negative of you. But this is a reminder of what God did in valuing us. So, we always come to this table thoughtfully with the instruction coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is not a snack. This is not something that we do um, lightly. We come remembering that our sin, our rebellion against the Holy God put Jesus on the cross. And so the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on, on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, when we would not come under judgment. And when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So for a few minutes here, we're going to ask the Lord just to search our hearts. Show us where we're out of sorts with Him, where we've sinned against Him. And we'll take Him at His promise that if we confess our sin, He is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then we'll go ahead and celebrate what God has done and drawing us to himself. So let's uh, let's take some moment and Joy's just going to play quietly in the background here. <laughs>